Behind the Buckle is an unmatched look into the life and mindset of the men and women that paved the sport of rodeo, both past and present. We have access to thousands of athletes in an untouched market that only skims the surface of who these people really are. No one's asking them the questions that make them the best in their field. Until now. I'll ask the uncomfortable questions that regular people are afraid to address, and it'll give you an inside look into what molds regular people into champions. So here's Rodeo Unfiltered. Jump in. Obviously, everybody knows that you're the three-time bareback world champion, and you're a great guy. Everybody knows you're a family guy. They know that you are a husband, and obviously that you're very loyal to Christ, and that you're a great follower of Him, but um, there's a lot of things people don't know about you, Tim, and I feel like people kind of want to get to know more about these athletes. And so that's why I wanted you to be one of my first guest. Well, I appreciate you having me. Of course. So obviously right now you're off because of coronavirus. So what do you do during this time? Uh, well, I'm having a difficult time finding a place to work out. So we came back to Missouri. We were living down in Texas for the winter. And uh, we came back and my school is still uh kind of privately let me and my trainer work there my trainer is the assistant wrestling coach so you know as of right now you know only coaches can really work out at that gym and me so i feel really blessed about that lately we've just been kind of sitting around the house truthfully we've been uh cooking you know, like that's kind of one of my things that I do like to do because I don't get to do it for myself very often. And uh, I like to cook. I really like to grill when I like to cook. My wife's a really good cook in the kitchen. But, you know, I've gotten to learn a few other things, so I feel like I can help a little bit in the kitchen, but the grill is more my forte. And then uh, we have some really good friends that we eat with every week, and they are uh, pregnant. Finally, it's taken them a long, it's been kind of a long, drawn-out process. It's been very tough for them to get pregnant. So, I think this weekend I'm going to start uh, building them a crib. That's awesome. So, you're handy with your hands then, besides just in a bareback rigging. Um, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, I can definitely be better at all the crafts that I do. Yeah. But, I, I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy, uh, like, woodworking. It's kind of completely out of the realm of rodeo, but... You know, I like to get into a project, and sometimes I don't like to stop, which can be a problem, too. So, it makes me uh, learn patience. Yeah. So, Tim, would you say that you are, as a competitor in person, are you an OCD person? Oh, for sure. I'm an OCD person. I'm an OCD person in life. Um, you know, I like things a certain way. So, I think that's for me and Sammy butt heads on. She likes her things a certain way, and I like my things a certain way. So, you know, that's just kind of everything. You know, I'm very particular about, you know, rodeo, pretty much all aspects of the rodeo. I'm very particular about how I want things done my way. Um, so, and it, it carries over into our daily life, but Sammy kind of runs the reins on me pretty well on that. Oh, I can believe that, definitely. But I feel like that OCD behavior really translates in your writing. And so I want to jump back to the past. So you won your first world title. Was it 2016? Yes, it was. Okay, well, that was right in the heat of the ERA. I mean, there was a lot going on in the sport of rodeo. So looking back as someone that won a world title that year, what do you think differed from your first world title and then your second world title in 2017? 
You know, I don't think a lot of people like seen it like this because you know the the fans of rodeo, you know, like the turnover rate in rodeo, especially for like bareback riders and rough stock riders in general, is pretty quick. Um, so the like to win a world title, especially in the bareback riding, you know, like it's really something. And for me personally, I felt like they took some credibility away from me in my first world title. And that's just how I felt personally. I don't think anyone has ever, no one has ever said that to me or made a comment about it. But like for me personally, like I wanted those guys there. Like I wanted to beat the best of the best at the biggest stage in 10 nights. You know, like VRA started and it took, you know, five guys that were, you know, real players out of there. And, you know, the other five, you know, they're great bareback riders, but I didn't think they were world title contenders at that point in their career anymore, but they all had one world title. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think they would have been at the NFR, all of them guys, because of how, I mean, the ERA was very elite. I mean, like, they had, you know, the best of the best over their generation and the generation that was coming up, too. So... They did take a lot of that for me personally, like for me personally, like it, they took some of that, you know, I'm trying to put this in, you know, the competition, like they they took some of the hardest competition away. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, it made me think like my first world title was kind of like, it wasn't a fluke, but it wasn't like truly earned either because anybody could say if it wasn't for the ERA do you think you would have won the world now 17 they were all back the ERA was done it was over with and uh their qualifications might not have been there but guys that were in the ERA um a few of them made the NFR that year Mm -hmm. so everyone had an equal opportunity and I did win that one yeah what about your confidence level because I mean Obviously, you earned your world title. Anybody that wins a world title, they earned it. And so, that's just my personal opinion. But, what about your confidence level? Because the first year, I feel like you were just trying to win the world title. The second year, you were out to prove something. So, then your third world title, how did you maintain all those different emotions going into performing in those 10 days to win your third one? You know, I always talk about the three world titles. And they all had like a different meaning behind it um you know the first one was like yeah you were right like i wanted to win the world for the first year but you don't know what it takes to win a world title until you win a world title you know it's kind of like you don't know what the nfr is until you like experience that animal you know it's not just the glitz and the glamour and riding in the yellow bucket shoots for 10 days you know it's it's a different animal especially in the bareback riding but you know, I got through that. My confidence level was high, and then it carried over, and I ran with it in 17, you know, at a monster year, at a monster finals. I ended up winning the world by over $100,000 in 17. Like, my confidence was through the roof. And then 18, um, our, our son Hazen was being born in March, and I didn't want it play a factor in my riding but I will say it more than likely did like it was a tough winner for me up until like he was born up until the Ram finals that year and uh, I was like $50,000 behind Caleb Bennett at the time that you know the Ram finals happened you know like I was in a hole and I had to dig my way out of there and uh, 
I feel like the only way that happened was, you know, the confidence that my wife supports me, that God supports me, and then finally I got it back in my riding. And we had a dog fight in 2018, and I think the last round kind of proved it for both of us. You know, it was either his or mine at that point, and, you know, Stephen Dent was a giant player in there as well. You know, like, if anything were to happen, there was, there was three guys in the 10th round that could have won the world. Caleb could have, Stephen Dent could have, and then obviously myself. And uh, Caleb got thrown off in the 10th round, which none of us seen that coming. Dent made a very strong ride, but he blew his knee out in round eight, and it was up to me, and then the whistle blew. I made my ride, placed in the round, and then tore my shoulder off my body. I mean, so we fought it out to the absolute bitter end. Well, I feel like that's a part of rodeo that has really been untouched because people don't want to talk about the nitty and gritty because sometimes it's dark and sometimes it probably brings the mood down and it makes not everybody love the sport for a moment. But talking about your dark times that you said you went through before the Ram National Circuit Finals when obviously you did so well there, what were those voices in your head saying to you? Obviously, you were getting encouragement from the outside, but what was your inner battle? What was that? What were you facing? Uh, I wondered if I knew how to ride airbag horses anymore. You know, did you really like, believe that? Yeah, I did, actually. Like, my timing was way off, more than what it, what it had been in years. You know, like, I wasn't picking up horses right. I wasn't drawing very good. Then when I did draw good, I wasn't taking advantage of those horses. Like, everything was just not right for me. Like, it, it really sunk me back into a place of, like, do you really know how to do this anymore? Like, to the point where I remember uh, I got was in the super shootout of Houston, and I got thrown off one. And, you know, I remember some bareback rider, like, wives calling Sammy saying, like, I've never seen that before. And then I kind of, like, just, and I, I remember hearing Bob, Bob Tomlin over the microphone in Rodeo Houston say, what has happened to that guy? And that just stuck with me for ever. And then the next day I was in Austin and I got just ragdolled around on one. And I had my traveling partner out. At first I was a, I was paying for his plane ticket out of Kansas City to help me drive back. And I was so mad after leaving Austin that I drove the entire way back. Dropped him off at Kansas City, and I don't know if I said 15 words in the whole trip from Austin, Texas to Marshall, Missouri. <laughs> and uh, I went back. I called my coach. I called rodeo coach and said, we have to go back to complete basic fundamentals. And I had got to work on everything. And I just kind of dug myself in a hole for two weeks and didn't do anything but practice basic bareback riding <laughs> until, until the Rams final. See, that blows my mind because here you are, you're already a two-time world champion, and you're going through that. Yeah, I mean, that's just how rodeo is, you know, it's it's a what can you do from the now sport, not what, what have you done. You know, that's the thing about bucking horses, they don't care about your resume, your resume you know, steers, bulls, horses, they, they don't know, they don't care, so... It's, I think it's very important not to drink the Kool-Aid on yourself. Yeah, but how do you do that? I mean, when you have so much success in an event, how do you not drink the Kool-Aid and start bring, believing your own praise? I mean, you just got to stay humbled and grounded. I've, uh, I've learned to always just remember 
you know, when you're starting out, you know, like, what what brought you to that? And, you know, like, it, it kind of made me realize, like, to embrace the grind of the offseason, like, what you're doing to prepare yourself. You know, I don't think I was preparing myself in 18 to the way I was in 17 and 16. I mean, I was doing what I was normally doing, but I wasn't going through it with the, with the mindset, you know, that that fight and that dog mindset. Like, every time we go in the gym, we're, we're here to get better, not just go through the motions. You know, so I think, and I, I didn't like it as much either. You know, like, I didn't like going to the gym as much as, as I did. You know, I didn't like pushing myself to those limits where, you know, you're about to throw up or you do throw up or you pass out. Like, I embraced those things before, and I was almost discouraged to go to them places again. Like, I mean, no one wants to go to them places, but that's what, make a, that's what makes a champion a champion is someone not, that's not afraid to go into deep waters. They keep showing up, that's for sure. And I mean... So, yeah. No, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just think, like, when I when I took that time, I uh, I talked to my mentors and stuff, and, like, that was what was reminded of me. Like, not just, don't just, you know, settle for the moments, you know, 12 hours that, like, the thing about the gold buckle is, is, like, you get to keep it, but it's only a feeling that lasts for a night. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not something that, it's just celebrated with you through the years to come. Like you, you, you base your whole life thinking that this is going to change your life. Well, it's like an exceptional celebration for about 12 hours. You know, you get flooded with these emotions that there's, there's a million of them. You don't even, you don't know what to jump up and down or cry or or meals or go back and, you know, go back to work. Like you don't know what to do. Like, cause you're so ecstatic. And so I like, there's never been a, you know, a time, you know, like that you can express feels like to get that gold buckle handed to you. You know, the only thing that I can say, like for me, it's like up in my top four moments of my life, but you know, there's not really a word to describe the feelings that you get for it, but then it goes away. Very then, fleeting. Yeah, it's not a, it's not something that's gonna make you whole at the end of the day, but it's something that we all work for. Mm-hmm. Well, you keep coming back to it, and like you said earlier, in 2018, you had a terrible injury that your shoulder was ripped from your body. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, the tenth round, I went to go double grab, and the, the horse is really hard to get off of or make the pickup man. And my feet came out from behind me, and uh, she flipped me over my rigging. And when I hit the ground, I've been in that position before, and you gotta just have to wait it out for a second, and then your hand would normally just kind of get ripped out of there. But she stepped on me when I hit the ground, and it played like a bow and arrow effect on my body, and uh, my shoulder was the the breaking point and it tore two of the rotator cuff tendons it tore my labrum and it tore my bicep tendon and it it dislocated my shoulder and blew the caps all apart wow so so what uh yeah what we thought was going to be a a pretty simple hour and a half surgery from dr tandy freeman was a like a four and a half hour surgery when he got in there and see what was all on yeah well from last year to this year your life is so different because last year you were out for how long uh, I had surgery on the 16th of January and came back at June 20th. 
about a month ahead of medical protocol. Okay, Tim, but I don't think you realize what you did, how insane it was, because you finished top 15 after being out that long. That's just... I mean, that's just a true testament to who you are as a champion and who you are as a competitor because a lot of people would have had a little fear coming back. I mean, you see other athletes from other sports that kind of favor their injuries and kind of are a little nervous. So how did you battle back, and were you nervous your first one back? You know, I don't know. Like, I I think I was to an extent, but didn't really show it. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely had butterflies, but I had some really nice practice horses to get on and then but like my first pro rodeo back I remember being I remember being like pretty calm and then I got on that, that horse's back and it was just like the flip switch like you know switch flipped you know it was just uh it was back in I was just back in my wheelhouse and that horse ended up throwing me off I got bucked off my first come back and tried my hometown crowd <laughs> <laughs> and uh I mean she drilled me on that shoulder too and it was good and I didn't have to like after that it was just uh you know I didn't have time to be scared I didn't have time to dwell and get bucked off like I had 90 days to make the NFR Mm-hmm. And wild. it was going to be one of those situations where if I got in my own head that I was going to ruin that opportunity. You know, it's funny because I feel like this year at the finals, it was your first time not to win a world title in three years. So the night of the day. Or went around. Went around. Okay, yeah, well, that's a perfect example. Coming back, how did that affect you as someone that had been on that stage getting a gold buckle? Um, you know, I don't know, this, that last year was so different. It was so much, like, it was more enjoyable for me, truthfully. Like, I'll tell you what, in 2018, like, I did not like rodeoing. And that, coming from someone that, you know, won the world that year, you'd think, what, like, most people think, what are you talking about? Well, it wasn't fun for me. Like, it wasn't fun for, to leave. It wasn't fun to leave my newborn baby or my wife. You know, I was in a, a place where I was playing catch-up, where I was used to, like, normally used to, like, just blowing these world standings apart and, you know, just sitting in the driver's seat for most of the year. And I had to get dog fight. And like I said, I'm not afraid to go to deep waters, but I don't like being in the deep water either. I'm not that good of a swimmer. <laughs> so, you know, it put me in, like, a dark place in rodeo like my mindset towards rodeo and i do feel like you know god in that moment said here's your gold buckle and here's a six-month break like you need to step away from the game and i found so much enjoyment you know like working get back and then you know i found so much enjoyment it really relit this candle and of the love and the passion of the game that I have. Like I truly love riding Buffy horses. I love being out there with my friend, my rodeo friends and, and you know, going, going to war with them guys, you know, like, in, you know, I had a, a lot more enjoyment at the, the finals last year, whether, you know, it, it truthfully probably was one of my best finals. If I never went around, I didn't win the average, and I didn't win the world. So, yeah. some but, things that were way different than normal. It kind of rededicated you, I feel like, in a way, too. But as someone that was a competitor out there, this finals was so different because you were seeing scores that were unheard of. There were 90s almost every night. As a competitor, what do you think of that? You know, it's it's good and it's good and bad. You know, like I think uh, 
I think with uh, the scoring system now, like especially in the bareback garden, like it, it used to be something. Like if you were ninety, like it really meant something in your career. Like you, you didn't get that many opportunities to be ninety, and it was one of those moments where you can say like that was a defining moment in my career. Mm-hmm. But like now. You know, 90s get thrown out like the bull riding 90s anymore in the bareback ride. There's a lot of 90s that have taken place this year. You know, for example, like I was 94 in, in San, uh, San Angelo and tied the world record, you know? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, but I will say with that, if you go back and look at what those 94s and the 90s were, like, in the early 2000s, the late 90s, like, it's different. It's a different game that we play. Like, it's more common scene in the bull riding, you know, like, because, you know, bull riding is more mainstream than the bareback guys. So you can see, like, the bulls in the PBR are much bigger, much stronger. The guys are in shape. And I see that in the PRCA. You know, like, the PBR bulls are seen more often because they have the, the ability. But now, like, you see all them bulls over in the PRCA. They're bigger, they're stronger. The guys are, in, are like, in better shape than they were back then and the rides are a lot better you know like the form of the bareback riding has changed so much in the last you know 20 years like their 90s back then wouldn't be a 90 today i don't believe but you can never discredit somebody's 90 either i mean the, the style has changed so drastically from the early 2000s to 2020 that and and the animals have too you know like I had a, a conversation in Fort Worth with Sparky Dreesen, and he, he said, hey, what do you think that horse over there weighs? And I looked over at his one of the NFR horses, like, I don't know, like 14 and a half, 15 and a half, something like that, somewhere around there. I was like, it's a normal size horse. And he goes, back in my day when I rode bareback horses, that was a monster. Hmm. Like, And you'd only get on a horse like that, you know, once, once a year. If that, like, so if our norm is horses that are 500 pounds bigger, stronger, and jump higher and kick harder, then our scores are different too. Yeah. So I think that's where, you know, do I love it? No. But is it right? Probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game's evolving so much, and anybody that's been a fan of rodeo for some time sees that. So, Tim, bareback riding, um, people say the numbers are dwindling. So what do you think about the future of bareback riding? The numbers are dwindling, but our quality through our top 50 is as great as it's ever been. You know, like, the guys that do play this game are tough, they're strong, they take it serious, but it's not easy to be a bareback rider. It's not really that fun to be a bareback rider either. It's a tough, um, you know, it's a tough event to learn. It's very physically demanding whether you are good at it or if you're not, and none of us were good at it starting off so i mean unfortunately a lot of a lot of eggs get busted in that first you know trial period of trying to figure out if you want to be a bareback rider you know you gotta you gotta kind of be a dog to to want to be a bareback rider like you're gonna take a beating you're gonna take the whiplash you're gonna take 
you know, a 1,300, 1,400 pound animal slingshotting you off their back while you're attached by their arm. Like, that doesn't seem appeasing to a lot of people. So, I don't know what the, the future holds for us, and I don't know what the correct answer is either of how to make more bareback riders. You know, for me, I didn't start riding bareback horses till I was 18 years old. You know, it was something, and I think there's something to that because I didn't take that beating as a young as a young kid. You know, I didn't take that that abuse on an undeveloped body. And so when I started, you know, I was four years through high school wrestling. Like my body had changed. Like I'd lost my baby fat, and I was starting to mature with how my body was. So like I could take a hit like that and kind of bounce back up and be like, what went wrong? Rather than take a hit and be like, oh my God, that hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you 100%. I think as long as we keep promoting the sport and doing a good job at it, then the future will be bright, but it's up to us. So, Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I don't know the correct answer, but what they're doing right now, promoting our youth with the junior NFR, and giving them kids in high school a chance to, to win some, you know, win some real money doing this. I think that's a good way to start. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Well, real quick, Tim, before I let you go, what is something that people would be surprised to know about you? It's hmm. a good question. I'm trying to think myself. I know. I just like to ask people that. Or maybe even, what is your favorite event to watch besides bareback? Oh, man. I do like watching the bull riding, I will say. And I've been a huge fan, like, now that I've gotten on the 12-gauge team, I've uh, become a fan of bulldogging as well. You know, basically I'm the only rough stock rider on that team. So, I like I kind of like watching that, and I've always said that was the dumbest sport, and they said, no, your, your event's the dumbest sport, so we go back and forth, but I don't ride a broke horse that well anyway, so to get on one, jump off, and throw a steer over in four seconds, that's, you know, it kind of impresses me, but, and then I am a bull rider at heart from back in the day, so I do love watching a good bull ride. Well, Tim, we like watching you, and we're looking forward to getting you back out there in the arena when all this is over. So, um, you're number one in the world standings. Congratulations, and thanks for taking time. Thank you.